And we're back with another episode of Bold Swims Off the Rack. This time we went international and I'm so happy to have met another friend, Tina, from Brussels. Um, she's going to let us talk about uh, and introduce us to her brand. Tina is a cultural anthropologist, a researcher, an active advocate for sustainable and ethical fashion. Um, I can't wait to learn more about her and Thinking Thread. So Tina, take it away. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Tiffany, for having me. I'm so excited and I am very happy to meet you. Um, yes, so as you said, I do quite uh, quite a few different things. I'm a cultural anthropologist and I believe that whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be an anthropologist. I'm always a researcher. I'm always somebody curious about the world around us. And I tend to look at everything through anthropological lenses. And I tend to also overanalyze things. So, you know, I'm usually when I'm joking, I say I'm professionally overthinking clothes, which is true. I do. Uh, but, you know, I love it. Um, but also, I am a content and copywriter who works with small to medium sustainable fashion brands. I help them understand their audience, make better content. I help them find their voice and express themselves. Um, and I work a lot with brands um, actually all over the world from Europe, UK to US. And I quite enjoy that. And then uh, finally, I am a fashion activist, which means that I'm using fashion as a mode to um as a way to advocate for um certain changes and to advocate for changes that i want to see in this world so i guess that's all i am about um yes through my business thinking threads that you mentioned um is how i help small to medium ethical brands and i think this is something that i enjoy doing the most and i do see uh ethical brands as probably the main actors in pushing this industry to change and in pushing this industry to be better both for the planet and the people. And this is something I am very grateful to be able to do. Um, so that's about me. Yeah, no, we're grateful for that. Do you find like it's been more of a conversation lately or based on just where you are do you feel like that was kind of always the mindset in brussels or the clients that you work with or do you find it to be kind of more of a global push recently hmm. that is a good question um i started being interested in sustainable fashion or well in fashion in general i started being interested about six seven years ago and then i started learning about the industry and, you know, I became um, um, a passionate advocate for slow fashion, for sustainable fashion, for ethical fashion, and so on. And about, you know, seven-ish years ago, the conversation was significantly different. Um, there were obviously amazing organizations that were active back then, like Fashion Revolution, Remake, um, label be um, sorry, Labor Behind Label, and so on. So, you know, work existed, activists existed, and certainly brands existed for sure. But it was a very, very niche 
market, I'd say, and very niche um, also topic. Um, and it's still, to to large extent, it still is. But I've seen in this, you know, in last, especially couple of years, I've seen um, sort of acceleration of that, um, of those topics, but also there are more and more brands who are now interested. And the thing is, somehow we went from sustainability in fashion being a super niche thing to now being quite a mainstream thing. I mean, for better or for worse, we have now the biggest global brands um, embracing sustainability. I'm not going to go into you know how they're embracing sustainability and if that is truly sustainable or not, but they are. We cannot ignore that they are talking about sustainability. They are trying to do some steps. So sustainability is no longer such a niche, right? It's it's now kind of, I think it's going to be a mandatory thing soon. So the conversation definitely shifted, especially in the last couple of years, like everything else due to pandemic. Um, so I definitely see changes. And, you know, if I would say to somebody, I don't know, um, few years back that I'm in sustainable fashion, they would assume they would assume that you know I wear um, certain styles that I you know buy certain clothes that I look certain way you know there are all these um, prejudices there are all these ideas about sustainable fashion right now I also see sustainable fashion uh, being more diverse being more um, in all senses, really being more open as well and being more in being more sort of um, invite inviting more people to join in. So I guess it's also that also helps um, that also helps to get more people on board. I so think I guess, you're right yeah. because I think that all these companies are definitely trying. And I don't think that we can point fingers or judge. You're right. We have to give them credit where they're making strides, even if it's just from a marketing standpoint where we see a lot of these empty marketing um, tactics or techniques. But I think that what I like about sustainable and I think that you were alluding to is just the community that we're trying to at least get the conversation started from a niche market, which was a couple, you know, at least eight, 10 years ago where it started. And now people are coming to understand what it means and understand because we do need the big guys to make the changes in the industry because we know sustainability is not just the materials we use it's in the way which we produce it's in the way that we pay the workers the artisans in these countries especially with me being in the united states we don't make anything we don't make much of anything we rely on the rest of the world um the u.s serves her you know for better part of purposes is the marketplace for a lot of companies globally to sell products, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think we need the infrastructure and that governance that you're talking about, which I really feel is going to come. You know, I'm always hesitant about go government oversight because I also think that in some instances we need oversight into them as well. But I think yeah. that sustainability is gonna be that one that we need to figure out what that looks like to be able to accomplish these goals that we're talking about to complement these other infrastructures and these other initiatives that make up this the global supply chain and logistics that fashion really is yeah oh for sure for sure i mean you're absolutely right 
do need to like we can't to the governments or leave it to big brands big corporations to figure this out because they haven't been doing much so far however we do need truly everybody on board no matter how perfect or imperfect that may be because when we're talking about sustainable fashion we are talking about tremendous change we need a cultural change we need economic change we need social change we need political change so this change isn't going to come just you know from one side it's going to it has to happen on all levels so yes we do need policies we do need regulations and things are changing on that level as well i used to be quite quite involved um in like political action i used to be quite involved in advocacy so i have been following that world for a while and things are changing and i am quite hopeful for that but you know things are changing a bit too slow for what we need uh, i you know but we also can't leave everything to business um unfortunately big global corporations they're always going to chase the profit first and especially, you know, if we talk about fashion, especially when we talk about fast fashion, it's going to be always profit first. So we can't leave everything to them, leave everything for them to figure out. But we also can't put all the all the responsibility on citizens because we don't have that much, you know, power. Yes, we do have power. We have important power. We cannot forget that. But you know, our individual actions cannot measure up to actions of one global corporation. Um, so we can't put all the responsibility on that. And we cannot put all the responsibility on small brands either. I do believe that small brands uh, perhaps hold the biggest, um, I wouldn't say power, perhaps are the key um, to reinventing this industry because they're showing how business can look like and how business can function without doing harm to anybody, to any life on this planet. But we cannot also leave everything to them because we need they need support, structural, they need economic support, they need cultural support and so on. So what I'm trying to say is we need absolutely everybody on board in their own, um, in their own, work in their own niche in their own domain we need everybody and these things are happening they we we cannot deny that we cannot deny that brands aren't changing we cannot deny that policy um policy makers aren't changing so i i don't know i tend to be hopeful no i definitely like well, you definitely sound like an optimist realist like i like to call myself <laughs> as well because you're right we can't you know, I think the landscape is changing. People, especially through the pandemic, find out that they need to not rely on just corporations in general for to support everything. We have the power for government. We have the power to create change that we want to see. And it also comes down to creating the economy, which, you know, obviously we need to participate in to create the economy. We are the economy. And a lot of people found out that or had it unfortunately took a pandemic where people were able to feel comfortable or get out of their comfort zone to create businesses. And a lot of that is sustainable because any person in their right mind, just like I did when I started Bold Swim four years ago, is why would I come into the fashion industry creating the problems that already exist? How can I be a new brand, but 
not just do sustainable for the moment, because like you mentioned, the conversation was just started. It was just, this is what's happening. This is the future. And I could not help but take a part of that. But it's increasingly expensive when you're talking about creating a business and trying to be profitable, but also not pass on the cost to your customer. And then also find the materials is what you usually start with until you start really understanding that fashion is not just about making the garment, producing the garment, getting the materials. It's in the way that the world is set up for global trade, for logistics and distribution. You can produce in any country that specializes in a particular good, a particular pattern making, a particular print. But you also can't get that imported in a way that can produce the final product and get it imported to your your home country to be able to sell at a what is quote unquote the fashionable, the convenient price, which we see a lot in fashion because you're producing in sustainable um, quantities. You're using waste, which is not not always scalable if you're not able to work with those factories in those ways that make um, financial sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you're you're talking about the whole system where, you know, the fashion in which fashion exists. And I'm always saying small brands haven't created this system and but they are trying to find a way to operate within it without encouraging the system. And this is why, you know, this is why I am saying you cannot leave all the responsibility on the brands obviously you as a business you take on certain responsibility and you choose how you're going to produce and you choose where you're going to produce and so on but you have you still have to operate within the system you cannot you know just decide not to it's not how how the world works um and this is why we need a structural change and structural support absolutely but i also what you're also saying is something that I learned to I learned to understand is that we we don't really know how our clothes are made. We still don't really know how our clothes are made. I mean, generally, we are not sure how we get things that we get, you know, on shelves or in web shops because the industry just the industry created an illusion that items just appear. So we kind of expect that even if we are meeting a small brand, even if we are meeting an artisan, we just expect that, you know, they will just produce an item. They will just produce a dress or whatever, and we'll be able to buy it. We don't see the whole process. And I think slow fashion uh, as a movement is uh, purposely and very um, slowly but surely breaking this illusion because slow fashion is all about showing that process, showing the entire process of it. And I think the more people understand what goes into a dress they're, buy, they're buying or, you know, whatever T-shirt they're buying, the more they're going to appreciate and understand also why it takes certain time, why, you know, the price is the way it is, why they, you know, you cannot produce thousands and thousands of same item um and they're going going to understand that you know behind behind before clothes ever reach you they already have a story they have a history and they're going to be more interested in understanding that i i am a big believer in storytelling uh which is probably why i'm a writer so i am always 
trying to emphasize on you know whatever i'm writing for a brand let's say i never really want to write about you know only the things that are selling i want to tell the complete story behind the garment i think that is that is really powerful and i think that's exactly the power of slow fashion i think you're right i think it has to be more until we're able to get these change and you know we're business owners are definitely choosing which brings me to kind of the question of the month that I've been asking all of my guests and my friends that participate in the retail and the fashion industry is we have to change the hearts and minds in order for us to be able to see this as a profitable business. It'll definitely be a shift in the industry, but the way the world is set up and the way humans are set up is we're going to consume. People will mm -hmm. still need garments to wear. We will still need these utilitarian tools. We still have to put on pants every day. We still have to put on the shirt. So we need those. Do we need, you know, maybe a fancy shirt that glows in the dark for a club? Maybe not so much, but we're still when we make clothing, right? We still want something cool. Um, so that brings me to the question of what is the importance of fashion in, to you? <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love this question. And I love what you just said. Um, and the truth is, indeed, humans have been making clothes for, you know, thousands and thousands of generations. And uh, throughout history, all cultures have been making some sort of clothes. So I think clothes and fashion is what makes us human. One of the things that makes us human. And I think this is the power of fashion because it carries, it's more than just a practical object on our body. As anything human, it also carries a lot of symbolical meaning, a lot of stories. It communicates relationships. It communicates our statues. It communicates perhaps our beliefs, our uh, views on things. I think this is the power of clothes. It can it can communicate all of these things without us speaking. And because of that, I truly believe that clothes can change the world when we focus on what clothes truly mean to us. I hope that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. We have to, you're right. It, that's what makes us human, right? We've been wearing clothes. The clothes define who we are. They define social status, class, um, you know, the richer garments, the more tailored garments are usually re reserved for the affluent. Um, and now mm -hmm. people are understanding the value if they buy a fast fashion t-shirt for a day, or they hope to have it longer than a day, depending on what their mm -hmm. motivation is behind buying it. Maybe it is just that they just don't have the economic means to buy the $30 t-shirt, but they know that this is going to be a better quality. We have to change those, um, options right we have to make it affordable so that goes back to more than just the the, the fashion industry it goes back to these systemic economical infrastructure that we have in place or lack thereof right yes we all know that if we buy a five dollar t-shirt it's not going to last long but you perhaps started a new job so you don't have the means to buy the $30 shirt that you know is going to give you more wear and, you know, putting it into the washer is literally going to disintegrate into, you know, a wash rag or a cleaning cloth, um, those yeah. type of things. And we don't always have the skill. We, we're losing some of that inherent skill that we have as humans. And I, I think about this from the anthropological standpoint is we don't 
make anything like you mentioned earlier we're so disconnected from where things come from especially food mm -hmm. uh, my, my husband tells me this all the time because he definitely has a very unique um, and the privilege of having knowing his culture and where he comes from he's west african so from ghana he knows exactly that cashews um, we eat as, as americans we just eat the nut which is really to them mm -hmm. kind of like a stem and the seed that you replant Cashews actually have an entire fruit that they actually eat to help control sugar intake. So it's very interesting that I had never considered it, never thought about it, never looked it up, never cared for it. I don't like cashews, but I'm just saying as an example is we're so disconnected, not even from fashion and how things are produced, but even from our own food. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is really interesting. Um, indeed. Isn't it? It's sort of weird that things that make, you know, uh, for most of us that make daily lives, things that most of people share in the world, like food and clothes, you know, we know about these objects the least, which is really, which is really when you start thinking about system and about how we came to this. But, you know, systems were made by humans and they can be unmade by humans as well. And they are. The thing is, you know, Going back to our conversation, things are shifting. We cannot deny that. I think now we are we need to decide where we take that. Like I think that now we we reached certain um, certain you know conscious that the system, at least fashion system, doesn't work for us. A lot of people are unhappy, um, and I think now we are. We are on a tipping point, maybe deciding where we take fashion from, you know, from now on, where we where we want it to go. So we are reimagining already the future of fashion. Is just um, how how it's going to look like in in couple of you know in next couple of years might be even crucial for the for the whole future of industry. I think that's great. I think you you mentioned that you're a former child. Um, you you talked to some other partners of yours that were um, a former child worker in a garment factory. How do you think that weighs on kind of how you really started your brand or what you became passionate about as an activist? Oh my, that that is seriously probably the most um, most important event in my life seriously so um what you're mentioning is yes indeed i had an opportunity to meet um a young woman called nazrin jake um who is a former child worker in a garment factory in nepal um she is also a slavery survivor and a forced marriage survivor so she was lucky enough to escape um, that situation and she is since then she has been an activist and a and an entrepreneur who has been working very hard to give that opportunity to other women as well so i had a chance to talk to her about yeah six seven years ago and this is how i started learning about fashion because before that i was always i was always um I was all sort of an activist. I was always in different NGOs, different groups, different organizations. Um, 
um, and like around, you know, activist circles and so on. And I sort of knew that fashion industry isn't isn't as glamorous as you know we might we might imagine it but i didn't know much about the industry and then after i talked i talked with her i realized that um things like forced labor sweatshops um human rights violations are not just you know um incidents in fashion but they are at the core of how fashion works and after that like that conversation not only changed my perspective on on fashion but i also couldn't i i couldn't step in a fast fashion shop anymore after that like her story just sticked with me and um and yeah because of that i started learning about fashion i started um also advocating for slow fashion and you know a few years forward i decided to also try to change fashion from professional point of view, not just as a buyer, not just as an advocate, but also as a business owner, I, I decide to support brands that are doing something about this. But um, what I think it's really interesting, and this is what I'm always saying, is if you want to change somebody's perspective on something like, let's say fashion, facts can do, you know, Facts are useful. It's kind of useful to know, you know, how much water we need to produce a cotton t-shirt. It's kind of interesting to know uh, that we release billions of microplastics um, when we wash polyester. You know, all these facts, but facts are not going to change our decisions. What is our stories? Because after all, stories are how we communicate. Stories are how we, um, you know, can can tell our experiences to somebody. And I think that um, stories like Nazreen's stories um, are really worth sharing because I think that her story has much more power than any research in fashion than any you know statistics that you can pull out and don't get me wrong i'm a person who um often uses facts and statistics you know when i'm writing my articles i'm nothing against that but nothing beats a story stories are mm -hmm. perhaps our strongest weapon yeah because it makes it tangible and it, it like you mentioned, we don't need the, the statistics behind it. We need the human element because I think that's what we connect to more. Uh, we all know that, you know, smoking is bad for us. We have the statistics and luckily in this last couple of generations, you know, smoking is not as cool as it once was, right? And so we see other things take the place, but nothing speaks to that like the human element. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because statistics after all, first feel detached because this is not how we humans think. We don't think in numbers, we think in emotions, we think in practical things, we think in, you know, we think through our own lives. That's number one. And number two, the danger that I see when we, you know, insist too much on stats and facts is that we get overwhelmed. Because when you hear that there are 
you know, millions and millions of people working in sweatshops, or you hear that, you know, this amount of CO2 is emitted when we produce um, certain clothes, it can feel overwhelming. You're like, okay, but what can I do? But then you hear one story and you hear how that story, I don't know, how somebody's life changed or how somebody's actions change. That is much more that is much more concrete and we can definitely more relate to that. After all, this is what we humans have been doing also since, you know, ever since we learned how to communicate with one another, we've been telling stories, not numbers. Exactly. Tina, thank you so much for your insight, your work, just, just even our conversation today, it's been so insightful and you've really thought through this problem, thought through how you're going to be able to support other brands and continuing to be an activist and telling your story. Can you share where everyone can reach you, Instagram, social, your website, and how they can um, stay in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, um, or on Google under Thinking Threads. I think that's the easiest. So we have your website, we have your email, and we have your LinkedIn. We'll definitely be um, reaching back out to you um, going forward. Well, Tina, thank you again so much for your time. You have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day too.